0: Well, I hope that you do realize that we're reading three chapters of our book uh, every week so that we come together on Wednesday night and uh, discuss it. And so this time, uh, tonight we're going to be answering or asking questions about prayer. Uh, But before we do, I want to state three facts about prayer that you and I need to understand. get in our heart. And uh remember that it's the devil that tries to get prayer aborted. God never ever withholds that which we ask him. but let's turn our Bibles to John 16:23 through28. The first thing I want to encourage you tonight is don't ever doubt or question your prayer rights. your prayer rights and that's found in John 16:23 through 28, where Jesus said, and in that day you as individuals shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father, in my name he will give it you. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, ask, you shall receive, that ye may, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken to you in Proverbs Uh, Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. And at that day you shall ask in my name, and I shall not say unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God." I came forth from the Father, and I am coming to the world, and I am coming to the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. So here we have a very straightforward declaration of your prayer rights. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, you will receive. Any questions? None. There are none. He has erased them all. Never doubt whether God has heard you because if you've mentioned the name of Jesus, he has heard you. Never ever question if you have received what you've asked for. doesn't matter if anybody else believes you have. If you believe that when you said the name of Jesus, the words of Christ were true, eternally unchangeable, and that you have received whatsoever you ask. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. The second thing I want to bring to your attention, that you never doubt or question that you receive from God. And we're going to go to Hebrews 4.16. And then, uh, Dream, can you turn your Bible to Numbers 23.19? And it says this, let us therefore come boldly. Anybody know what the word boldly means? Without reservation, with no fear, no intimidation, no unexpected outcomes that have not already been resolved before we come there. It says, boldly unto the throne of grace, that you may, what? Obtain, obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is an invitation from God to allow him to do what you can't do on your own. Now, God says, come boldly. We never have to wonder what's going to happen at the throne of grace. What's going to happen? We're going to present a need. God is going to grant an answer. Is that right? Amen. All right. Uh, dream of you have in Numbers... 23, 19, says this, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said it, and will he not make it good, or hath he not spoken it, and shall he not bring it to pass? Well, God cannot, cannot lie. So if he told us to come boldly to the throne of grace with the need, ask and he would give you grace to meet that need, we could walk away confidently because it's impossible for God to lie, according to Hebrews 6.18. One of the foundations of everything that Abraham did, one of the foundations of those that walk in faith is this, that it is impossible for God to lie that they would have a strong persuasion to stand. So we know that God doesn't lie. Amen? So let's realize we don't doubt that we have a right to pray. Whatsoever we ask, there are no limitations. Certainly people would not pray unrighteously or unholy or something that would heap benefits up on them and bring loss to another. We understand that. But then we also need to realize and never question whether we receive from God. If he told us and invited us to come, then grace awaits us. It's not like we're trying to get God to do something. Come and find grace. In other words, it's already there. And then the persuasion for us to continue in that is that God doesn't lie. The second thing I want to bring out in this part is Proverbs twenty eight twenty. Proverbs twenty eight twenty. This is connected to Romans two hundred eleven that says there is no respect to persons with God. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Next verse. To have respect to persons is not what? Now, remember, there is no one good but God. God is a good God. So if God is good, then there's no respect to persons in him. In other words, God's not looking at you through the eyes of criticism. He's not looking at you that, well, you know, they've done this and you've done that and you fell short and they haven't fell short. No, God's looking through you, through the person that has been redeemed, and he sees you as Christ Jesus. God loves you as he hath loved me. Therefore, he'll answer your prayer. So God's not a respect to persons. Amen? So stop thinking of yourself less than what God thinks about you. I don't know about you. I just got this idea. God likes me. I like to tell the devil when he's trying to condemn me. I say, get out of here. God likes me. He created me. I look like him. I'm made up like him. How could he not like himself? So, the third thing I want to bring to your attention don't doubt or question your authority to rule the enemy. Sometimes when we pray, we know the enemy is going to attack us. And so people get all afraid oh, well, the devil's going to come. In fact I was one day I was a uh, sitting at a table with a pastor he'd been a pastor many years and I said well you know what the least of my concerns is the devil and he said oh brother Pete don't say that I said why he said he liable to hear you I said he what he said he's liable to hear you I said well the last thing he wants to do is hear me and then respond to me in a negative way. I said, "Because I'm the one that gets to cast him out. He don't get to cast me down, I get to cast him down. And remember that we have the authority to cast him out. If we see him invading any situation of our prayer life, of our stance towards receiving from God, or our focus, or our confession. If we see him meddling, we have the ability to resist whatever he started. We have the ability to negate any position that he's taken against us. And then we have the ability to bind him. And then we have the ability to cast him out. So it doesn't matter that the devil's going to come. In fact, know he's going to come. But also know if he's coming, God has already declared to you when he comes, no weapon that he's dragging behind him is going to have any effect on your life. You can resist him. You can negate his footing. You can bind him. You can cast him out. Listen, the rulership of the evil one is in your hands, not in his amen so when we get those things in our minds number one we have a right to pray number two we don't even have to justify what we're praying about because we have a heart of righteousness and we will pray within the places of desire of God's plan for our life number two we never ever have to worry about God not fulfilling his promise now I want you to really think that if your mom and dad had raised you and never lied to you and they said they were going to do something, what would you do? You'd go to sleep, you'd raise up the next day, you wouldn't worry, you wouldn't question. You wouldn't struggle, because you'd know they haven't lied to me before. Why would they begin now? It's not like I asked for everything. I just asked what they told me I had access to. They gave me access because they wanted me to ask in the time of my need. And realize that they don't love any of your other siblings any more than they love you. They're not a respect to persons. All the servants have to do is say, one of the children call. Send them what they need. They don't have to know who it is. They just know if a child has called, the father will answer. All righty. So let's keep those things in mind. And we keep those things in mind, then prayer stops being a struggle. Prayer is not a battle. Prayer is just an acceptance that God is a faithful God. Now just rest, wait, and let the process Go through its course. Amen? What's the process? Well, you know temptation's going to come. You know the devil's going to try to get you to question and ask why. You know he's going to get you to try to observe time. You know he's coming. Just resist him. Amen? Keep him in his place and you stay in your place. And let the answer come. But if the Father said it's going to come, then it's coming. Amen? Amen? It doesn't matter how long it takes. You just know that God won't lie. All right. So we're going to talk about answered prayer tonight. And uh, we're going to talk about prayer overall. And we're just going to, if you have any questions, you answer them. You uh, ask them, and we're going to answer them. All right. Who's got some questions about prayer? There. There. Mark, uh, who's got a microphone? Do I have a microphone? Oh, here comes Eric. He's reading my mind, which is a short book. <laughs> <laughs> Just go up there and Uh, Mark, Mark Blackman. What you got, Mark? Well, I was just sitting here thinking about the devil is not omnipresent, correct? No. So how is it that he can afflict so many people simultaneously? Because he has servants, principalities, powers. He has an army. A third of the angels fell. And all of those angels are at his disposal. So he assigned them to do certain things. And that's how he's able to be seemingly be everywhere that we are. And that's why he can wreak so much havoc because he's everywhere. Just think he had a, lead, a legion of devils, up, up really upwards of almost 7,000 devils. It wasn't 2,000. It's almost thousand. Two legions of devils in a man's body. and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world as much as we rebuke the devil oh yeah absolutely absolutely and uh every time that jesus cast out a devil doesn't mean that he cast out satan but he has all of those things are like his offspring and so because they were born of his unbelief and his rebellion and just as much as we were the seeds of abraham of of Adam and Eve because of their transgressions. They are the seeds of Satan because they followed his transgression. So we need to bind them. And remember that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against prince powers, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places. So it already tells us that we should be doing that. And uh, that comes through a discerning of spirits so that we would know what type of spirit that we're dealing with. And so that we can use our authority correctly. And, but we should always be active. Whenever something abnormal, abnormal happens, we need to realize that it's satanic in its nature. So, it's, you know, we do th- things happen normally. Even in the human mind, it would be question, questions about, well, I wonder why it's taken so long. You bring that thought into submission to the Lordship of Christ. But when it begins to torment you, now you understand that there's something demonic behind it. Then we take authority over it. And a lot of times people just don't take authority or they just, you know, they kind of talk to it, combat it, converse with it. But we need to bind him, we need to resist him, we need to negate his place or footholding in our life and we need to pull it down, cast him out, absolutely. If you don't use your authority, he'll do nothing. And somebody told me, it seems to me like everything that you think about or you lay hands on people for, blind eye is the devil, deaf ear is the devil, cancer is the devil. I said, well, I get results. Who do you think they're from? (laughs) So you might say, well, don't you think you're a little overboard? Well, I don't know. How many blind eyes have you got open? I don't think I'm overboard at all. Jesus went about doing good and destroying all the works of the enemy. And he cast out devils. Out of three quarters of the sicknesses and diseases that Jesus healed, he dealt with spirits. So the devil is behind a lot. Amen? Amen. So I might be over-deviled, but I get results. Yes? Who said they had a question? Oh, yeah.
1: I was trying to find my scripture, but I'm, I think it's in John. But you know how we bind the devil? But Jesus, I never read one time where he bound the devil. He would always say, you loose him. Loose the you know devil, loose him. He never said bind. Really? And did he? One statement. Where?
0: And enter him no more. Uh-huh.
1: But well. it's not like bind...
0: Oh so, yes, you know, it is. is it, Once you make a proclamation, you have bound. How did Jesus loose? He said, Come out of him and loose the man. That was a command. So if he says, enter him no more, was that a command? Yes. Yep.
1: Well, the scripture where it says, Dreaming? you know. Well, Be I, quiet. I have one more question.
0: Now, do you see how I just bound her? <laughs> When, when, When God says light be, did he have to say darkness? Don't show up no more when light's here. No. We bind and loose by our words and our decrees. We command the devil come out of them. We don't have to bind him not to come back in. But as long as that commandment is not reversed, he's not coming back. If you tell your kids don't watch that show you have bound them forbid them commanded them ordered them whatever you would want to say you did it cuz I know your kids and they never paid attention anyway so but no I'm kidding
1: no but where the word says what you, what um is what you permit here on earth is permitted in heaven what you what was that scripture yep. you What's remember that scripture right.
0: And so whatever you allow to happen in heaven will allow to happen on earth. Whatever you allow to be bound will be, or whatever you forbid will be forbidden. Mm -hmm. How do we loose, allow, or bind, or set things in motion?
1: By declaration?
0: Yep, by the declaration. If you want the mountain out of your way, then you're going to have to tell the mountain what to do. And no matter what happens, how long, that mountain in actuality is on its way out Mm -hmm. unless you withdraw your words. Okay, that's good. Right? Yes. So remember when, uh, I'll I'll make this statement, and don't, don't get crazy. Jesus said, if the word of God came to you, then you are the sons of God. So when God sends Moses down into Egypt, he says, Moses, I will make you a god to Pharaoh. How was Pharaoh, uh, how was Moses made a god to Pharaoh? He repeated what God said. When he repeated what God said, Moses, I mean Pharaoh, became ruled by Moses' decrees. And every time we get a promise given to us by God in a situation, we become, as it were, just like Christ, we become the man that holds the word, is the man that controls the issue. So if God told me, I'm going to make you a God of this storm. Or if God was sending me into a witch coven or something said, I'm going to make you a god over those witches and you're going to tear down the high places, I'd go in there and I'd say what God told me to say. Mm -hmm. Right? So whoever has the word of the Lord is the one that's in charge. Ask death if Jesus was in charge when he said, Lazarus, come forth. Death didn't have a chance. When Jesus speaks to the storm or the sea, be still. Guess what? The storm is stilled. So who bound that storm? Who looses Lazarus? Jesus does it by the decrees of words. So God really tells us, look, whatever you bind, you decree it bound. You say what you want. Whatever you want loosed, you decree what you want loose and it'll be loosed. What did Jesus say to the fig tree? And produce fruit no more. What did he do? He bound it. He literally extracted life from that tree. Okay? Got it. Okay. Next question. Oh, Oh, yeah, Lois. Hello, Lois. What have we got?
1: Last week, you mentioned that we only have one enemy, that being Satan. But in Matthew five forty four, Jesus tells us to love our enemies.
0: Mm-hmm. But he's not in love with the devil. The, the enemy of our soul is Satan. Now, he may use men and women, but behind all of that is the devil. Jesus proved that. Peter, you're an offense unto me. And uh, so he rebukes Peter, but they may be used, but what we have to do is love the individual. We don't have to love their actions. We don't have to say, well, you know, I know you don't like me, but go ahead and cuss me and everything, and, and I'll still like you anyway. No. But the word love does not mean like we would love a brother, like we would love God or how God loves us. It is a friendship love that is, it's kindness. It's that if you see him hungry, you give him food. If you see him thirst, you give him water. You heap coals upon his head, which means that you ignite a light in his mind that cannot deny that there's something different about that individual. And that becomes a place of witness. And Matthew 5th chapter says, When they see your good works, they'll say that you are the children of your Father which are in heaven. So, yes, we don't love what they do. But, yeah, we exert or uh, display kind acts towards them. I wouldn't curse my enemy. I wouldn't uh, let him go hungry. I wouldn't let him go thirsty. I wouldn't let him go naked. But that doesn't mean I still want to put myself in his path if he's driving a truck. Right. Right? right? So, and behind his hatred is the adversary. Right. It is not normal for men to hate men. Mm-hmm. And how is it normal for people to hate people that are doing good? Yeah. Is not. And so Jesus tells us, yes, we love our enemies. We love them because we understand it's not them. It is an adversary behind them. They don't understand. They hated Jesus, yet he's the Messiah. How do you hate Jesus? Well, people do. But it's the devil behind them that's perverting, you know, that's hurting, that's destroying, that's causing misunderstandings and all those things, accusations, presumptions. And so those get all misconstrued, and people hate. But it's not that God created us to hate individuals at all. But we have to. I'm dying. And not really. And so, uh, but we have to love our enemies. But we love them because we understand behind them, they are the instruments of a master deceptor. That's why. But the adversary is our enemy. And we're not to love him. No, no, uh, nope, nope. And I don't think, look, the devil knows his end. Hey, have you come to torment us before our time? And Jesus said, well, if I could, I would. But right now I'm just casting you out. So, look, he is the enemy of God. And so, if he's the enemy of God, he's our enemy. And that's what we have to focus on. We are here to destroy the kingdom of darkness, not those that are bound by it. Okay? All right. Another question.
1: So my question is about, I pray... I say I give it to God. I say I'm not going to worry. But yet, like um, like this summer, for example, I went to the doctor. My blood pressure was like 190 over 118. Um, I will wake up and, like, my, I grind my teeth. I break my teeth. So I'm like, yes, Jesus, I trust you. But then, like, I know, like, it's very, like, I'm very intense. How do you just like say, okay, it's yours, God. I'm not going to worry it to death or keep trying to control it.
0: Well, one thing is this. Believing God and trusting God is the process. Faith is like a seed. And so it, it, it is a process. The whole kingdom of God is like a process. Now, we thank God for miracles. Miracles are instantaneous breakthroughs into the regular course of activity. But not every healing is a miracle. Uh, So if you begin to trust God, you wake up in the morning, first thing you do is, man, I did it again. Well, how about not saying that? How about loosening God by saying, God, I want to thank you that you have touched me, and I'm just not grinding my teeth because I've cast it upon you. So you speak something that is, that is not, and as though it is, and then you do the very same thing all the way around, and let the process go, and let it work itself out. One day you'll wake up and say, hey, I didn't grind my teeth. You look at Tim's arm and it'll be a bloody mess. Now, it doesn't matter how God does it, but it'll be done. (laughs) Right, but do you see what I mean? Don't don't short term your faith. Well, you but I woke up today and and I ground my teeth last night. Wait, you set something in motion. Now let it finish its course. So don't just one one little you know day. Give it more than a day. Okay, stand and having done all the stands, stand there for. Okay, all righty. Somebody else. Hey, there's Bob back there. Seeing back there, Bob. There, Eric. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right in the back okay. Yes, when a Christian asks for prayer for healing, which is actually part of your salvation, you already have a healing with through your salvation. How do you handle that? When they ask me, I handle it. That they may be at a place that they believe that healing is in their redemption and that there are times that a person may not have enough faith to get a manifestation of their healing. At that time, the Bible said, if there's any sick among you, call him for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. Everything is in, totally encompassed in the word salvation. But we use our faith for each promise. Apprehending one promise doesn't activate them all. So if somebody comes and says, hey, I'd like for you to join me in prayer, what they're asking you to do is, on the basis of the promises, one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 the flight. I'm asking you to come alongside of me, agree with me that God's my healer, and let you and I walk together. So is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. Uh and Jesus said that we would lay hands on the sick. He didn't say we just lay hands on those that didn't have faith. He said we lay hands on the sick. Here's another thing about healing. Let's say uh let's say Bob is believing God for uh, healing. So uh, and Bob's sitting in the service and Uh, there's a speaker here or or whatever on a Sunday morning or Sunday night, whatever night, and he comes up and he says, uh, God shows me that you've been believing for healing uh, in your bladder or that uh, you've been having a urinary tract infection, whatever it might be. So he calls Bob out. Now people would say, man, isn't that something? That was a great word of knowledge. Well, it was, but it wasn't just random, it really was a response to Bob's faith that he's been believing God. A lot of times when the gifts of the Spirit go in operation in a service, it is because of the faith of the individual that has activated the gift. What God is doing is bringing a revelation, and in that word of knowledge is what? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So as soon as Bob hears that, his faith <laughs> jumps up to a place that can ex- access or accept his healing. And so it, it is the building of faith, the working of faith, but it's a response to Bob's stand on faith. Okay? So when, when you're believing God for faith, for healing, it doesn't matter how it comes. I'm just glad it comes. Amen? And so, you know, if, if it takes a word of knowledge and a service, that's fine. If it happens when I'm asleep, that's fine. However it happens, I don't care as long as I get healed. Okay? Anybody else? Pastor? Yes?
1: Do you ever think... Think that sometimes when you're praying in tongues, it's more effective. Maybe I don't know what this is right, but you've taken yourself out of the equation in a sense. Yes, and, it, and it's more effective.
0: Yes, because when we speak in the natural, remember the Bible says when we end up not knowing how to pray, the Holy Ghost gives us an utterance. Well, sometimes when we're dealing with things, Pam, that we will always speak in the knowledge that we have. But what if the Holy Ghost could begin to speak for us in an understanding of the overall totality of Scriptures? He would begin to speak things without limitation, without hindrance of unbelief, or without fear of the situation, and He would begin to speak faith because he is the spirit of faith. So he would be giving you languages that would begin to decree things that were in line with God's word from Genesis to Revelations 22, and he would begin to petition God in a way that you would begin to get your breakthrough. And it does. It takes us beyond ourselves and allows the Holy Ghost to give our order, just like Jesus said go and find this man and say this, the Lord has need of the donkey. The guy said, well, then go ahead and take it. He just said, yeah, well, go ahead and steal it. I don't care. So that's just what happens, Pam, and that's true. Anybody else? Here are, Pastor. Yes. Excuse me.
1: <clears throat> if you could sum it up in like a nutshell, what do you think is wrong with the church? I mean, that's me, everybody, the body of Christ. Say, say if you could say it's sin or whatever. But what do you think is wrong with the body?
0: Thanks. Uh, uh. <laughs> in, in a nutshell, is probably the lack I say their lack of passion. When I say lack of passion is this. We are great starters, but we stink at holding on to anything till it comes to pass. God has never failed us, but the church is a result of failing their faith. You don't see it through. You start it. You talk yourself out of it. You start it. You change your confession. You start it. You're overthrown because of what you see. You start saying something, then two weeks later, you change your confession. You give. You never, ever keep faith alive in your giving. So all your seeds are stolen and all your harvests are captivated and taken captive by hell. You pay tithes because you love God so much and love the kingdom. But then you never, ever mix any faith with your tithing. We pray, yet we expect no answers. So the bottom line is, is that they have no persistence, they have no tenacity, and they don't really desire anything, and they just are bankrupt with expectancy. They don't expect nothing. I hate to say that, but she asked. We give, we don't even write down. We, We don't even write down why we're giving. Why, why, why would you do that? If you aren't going to expect anything from your giving, you better keep what you got. No, I'm, I'm just... I don't know how many books I've given away for people to write down their harvest. They don't use them. They, they just, you know, they don't use them. God tells you, hold fast your confession. You don't even make the first one. The church... Is its own destructive force. The devil is already defeated, but we constantly build our own barriers that keep us bound. We tell people the answer, we tell them what to do, they go home and they don't do it. Why? They don't expect, they don't believe. They have lived in unbelief so long. That they don't mix faith with nothing. Does God lie? No. Okay. Is God a respect to persons? No. Nope. Do we have a right to expect what God told us to have? That's right. You got any money, Bob? Yeah. How much you got? You don't want her to know. Close your eyes. <laughs> It's she money. Okay, no, okay. Now, but let me ask you something. You got money. You got any needs? Yeah. I'm going to ask you a deep question why? You have money, but you have needs. Yep. That's a good example. Not trying I'm not condemning Bob, I'm not doing anything. Because I could come up to him, her, myself, everybody in here. You've got money, you've got needs. Yet you have the answer. Who is the problem? Now, Ella asked me this, and if I've, you can write her, send her hate mail to her, email, you can send it to her, you do whatever you want. I am an innocent bystander. You ask for the answer, and I'm just giving you the answer. The reason Bob has money and has needs is because Bob has not mixed faith that he has with his seed. Are in the same boat. We say we believe God in pretense, but in the release of faith and life, we don't. Hmm? So do something with what you have. If Jesus said, I give you so, you sow that seed, I multiply that seed. Only a guy like Bob would have seed and not do it. But you are the same guy like Bob. And you're like Bob. And I'm like Bob. Eric, you're like Bob. We're all Bobs. Be Bob, 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 That's, <laughs> yep, we're all Bobs. Why? Because we have not committed ourselves to faith. Faith does not fail, folks. We fail faith. Okay. Well, that'll make you stay awake tonight. And hopefully, if you have any cuss words that go toward Ella and uh, not me, I'm. Okay? (laughs)